Good evening, everyone. This is Jerry Lee standing in for the Manifester. God bless you for being online with us here on this broadcast. Uh, this should be a super exciting broadcast. Uh, wow, we've got so much to cover, and, uh, and I'm just sure there's no way we'll be able to cover everything uh, to finish this subject uh, uh, this time, and maybe not next time. Uh, it's a big subject. So uh, we're so happy to have you here, and um, we just uh, want you to concentrate and just let the Holy Spirit have its way and give you unction and anoint you and just bring you into these wonderful um, truths that will, uh, will be such a blessing to you. You know, um, last time we had the service on the radio... <clears throat> I mentioned that uh, that we had just uh, finished uh, putting together the um, the Peace uh, Manifest Bible in its um, you know um, rough form. We still have work to do on it, but uh, it we had entered a whole bunch of scriptures that uh, had just not been entered, and um, it's just really um, it's just really beautiful. When I uh, sit down and I turn the pages and I read, uh, I'm just moved on by the Holy Spirit for the word that was given and the beauty, the absolutely beautiful uh, and opening into the heart of the manifest word through the, the Peace Manifest Bible interpretation. I want to read... Uh, maybe a couple of scriptures here from out of the Peace Manifest Bible. Um, Isaiah 41, 18. I will open rivers of thought from the high places of your mind. In the moment of your deepest sorrows, I will open fountains of joy. When you are depressed and lonely, I will give you a family of friends. And when, you, when your resources are gone and your need is great, I will call springs of supply to nourish you. That is such a comforting and beautiful word. And there is so much of that throughout the entire uh, Peace Manifest Bible. Uh, not to even begin to mention the stature of all of the revelations that uh, just, just absolutely stream through this whole Bible. And I just hope that everyone is continuing in prayer uh, for us to be able to um, to have everything that we need to finish this and get it ready for publication, because I I will tell you, it will be a wonderful uh, a wonderful change to your life, and and a wonderful uplifting to your life. Okay, so we're going to um, we're going to begin, and I just want to sort of down the earth talk to you about a few things that have to do uh, with this understanding of the, um, the deep word of the revelation of the angels that uh, are at war, and were at war, and are at war, and so forth. Um, <clears throat> there is so much to understand in the Bible, but the roadblocks that keep people from being able to really come in to the total understanding of the word are uh, roadblocks that 
some of which we cannot really blame people for, because unless they understand the um, the threefold revelation that is uh, spoken about um, in the Old Testament, uh, specifically in the the book of Proverbs, uh, when it it tells us that that there is threefold revelation by which we are to be able to understand uh, the Word of God. And uh, we'll get more into that just a little bit later. But that is an absolutely very important thing. And without having that understanding, uh, it is really, really easy to get off base. And when a person gets off base uh, to understanding things, then in comes confusion. So that um, I think is what we want to um, we want to get around. We don't want to see that kind of confusion. But let me explain a few things about what I am I am saying. Now, in the book of Daniel, there are a lot of revelations, and uh, some of the teachings I will do today will seem to absolutely be uh, counter or contrary to those teachings that you have known. Uh, but I want to explain something uh, in the scriptures of the Bible that talk about the 30, 60, 100 fold. The Bible says that the good field, good field, produces the 60, the 30, the 60, the 100 fold. And those 30, 60, 100-fold seed that is produced is all reckoned as coming from good fields. So anything from the 30-fold and up and through the 100-fold are all in a qualified, um, in a qualified um, a resolution and potentiation of the revelation of God and of the seed of God uh, because it is called good ground. But revelation that is not 30-fold and not 60 or 100-fold is below the 30-fold, then by way of abstract, which is the kind of ways that uh, Paul taught, um, we can say that anything 29.99 down uh, is not good ground. It's poor ground, poor conditions, rocky ground, uh, you know, uh, ground that is dry and parched, doesn't get much water, much rain. So it's very important for me to explain this to you because uh, there are interpretations, which we will cover some of these, and, and when I cover these and begin to bring out the other uh, levels, and you'll say, oh, well, how can that be? Because I was taught for years and years and years that that, that was a description of a particular thing. And I've always felt that it seemed to be Bible for that, and it seemed to be right. Well, there are many cases in which there have been teachings, and people have taught the 30-fold uh, revelation. For instance, in uh, Daniel... Uh, the 8th chapter, where it talks about this ram, 
and this uh, and there is a uh, you know um, a, a he goat and there is this ram and this ram which represents uh, which two horns represents the kings of Media and Persia is quite powerful until along comes this rough goat and this goat just comes at the ram and just basically dismantles it and 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 conquers it and so people have interpreted that over the years as uh, enfolding uh, the kingdomship of Alexander the Great and um, the 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 scripture does say that the rough, that the rough goat this is the 21st verse of the 8th chapter of Daniel that the rough goat is the king of Grecia of, of Grecia and the great thorn that is between his eyes is the first king now <clears throat> um, let us just say okay that is the 30fold now what people don't understand sometimes someone comes along like the manifester and starts giving a different interpretation. <coughs> Excuse me. And this uh, different interpretation uh, just seems absolutely, uh, you know, not connect to the interpretation and teachings that people have been taught. And so they think, oh my God, that can't be right. This guy is not teaching the truth. But what they don't understand is that the Word of God has depth. The Bible talks about the deep word of God. There cannot be a deep word of God unless there is something above the deep. And that means that there are levels above the deep and finally the surface. And because there are levels above the deep and the surface, that then allows there to be a deep. But there is no deep that does not have an above uh, levels that bring it right on up to zero degrees. So, if we don't understand that, we cannot understand the Word of God. We cannot understand the Bible. Now, once we really get that down, and this a verse that I want to give you, Proverbs 22, verse 19 through 20. Now, in the King James, they use the word excellent. But if you get your Strong's Concordance out, you will easily see that there is that that is just absolutely a ridiculous selection. It's it's, it's a nice word, but it's a ridiculous selection uh, for the Hebrew that is being translated. And what it really should have been translated was threefold. So <clears throat> when we talk about these threefold, we talk of the the fold of the thirty, the fold of the sixty, and the fold of the hundred. The thirty, sixty. Hundred fold. There are the three folds. These are three group folds. So we are told that this is what will enable a person to understand the Word of God, to understand the Bible. Now, to look up those scriptures, if you want, that tell about the thirty, sixty, hundred fold, I give you some scriptures: Matthew thirteen eight, and Matthew thirteen twenty three, Matthew nineteen twenty nine. Mark 10.30, Luke 8.8. 8. And that will give you a bunch of scriptures to look up that has to do with the 30, 60, 100 fold. 
So, when we understand this, some of these teachings that have been done out of different denominations and churches, and they're preaching it and believing it, some of those teachings are correct from the 30-fold revelation. But that is only a part of the potential meaning that is in the Scripture. Because as the Bible explains, that God uses the patterns of things, the shadows of things, <clears throat> to give example of the things that are in heaven. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, uh, I, hope, uh, I hope that you're getting that. I think that's very important. And so I hope that you're getting it. Because if you really don't get this, then you're not going to get very far up the road with this revelation of the manifest. Because it is absolutely based on these threefolds. And they are, they are explicit of revelation throughout the entire Bible. And extremely important. So that in the Peace Bible, not in every instance, but there are going to be several instances in which um, um, there's going to be uh, sometimes three levels of a scripture. There will be a 30-fold, there will be a 60-fold, there will be a 100-fold. It is sensation. There has, there is sensational. There has never been anything, to my knowledge, like this, even close to it. So it, it is just absolutely gorgeous for those who are hungry for the word and enables you to see where things are coming from. Now, once we begin to understand that and begin to see how that, that revelation is important, then we can see that uh, this revelation here that is being spoken of in Daniel uh, has a 30-fold. It has a 60-fold, and it has a 100-fold. And when a person gets to all of those things and re begins to reveal them, it becomes very, very important. Okay, let's just look at this 8th chapter, and let's, let's develop it a little bit. Here we have the rough goat, <clears throat> and let's say that in the 30-fold revelation that Alexander the Great represents that 30-fold. His power of going forth to conquer all the nations and so forth and what he has done. And uh, let's say he, he represents that. Okay. <clears throat> let's go into um, the, um, this book of, of, uh, of uh, Daniel chapter 8. We see that we're talking about the reign in the first verse of the 8th chapter of King Belshazzar. Uh, this is the kingdom of Babylon. That, that, that thing of Babylon has to be understood. That uh, in Isaiah, um, there is a 30-fold uh, representation of Babylon, which represents a physical, literal Babylon. There is a 60-fold revelation that, that actually represents um, Lucifer as the king of Babylon. And then you can go right on, on up to the next hundredfold, uh, uh, which we won't take the time to do that now. But unless we understand that, we miss the whole word, the whole revelation. We're never going to really know, never going to really understand the Bible. <coughs> Add to that the lost books that in the Bible it mentions, uh, about 22 books that it says, that basically it says are lost. And... Uh, uh, 
Add to that uh, the lost language of Akka. Add to that um, the, the lost codes, the lost words, the lost names. And, wow, where are we? Where are we on even coming close to understanding the Word of God <coughs> with all of these things that are missing? Now, in our teachings of the lost language of Akka, uh, we, we show that sometimes if you have just a fragment of something, that by developing that fragment, you can know the whole truth of its connectedness. Just like in the Senekdaki word, and... Uh, there is much, much truth in its connectedness that can be added uh, by just that word. Because it's a very important word that says there's more. There is more. <clears throat> now, there are metaphors, there are symbols, there's parables, there's acronyms. And all these things have their place. The Tetragrammaton, YHVH. Uh, or YHWH, or whatever kind of other terms that that is used by initials in the Bible, uh, could be an acronym, an acronym that is each letter representing a word. Just thoughts, uh, just thoughts for for you to see how deep this is. Um, lost codes, uh, without the codes that of interpretation that God has given, <clears throat> a lot of these things that I'm trying to teach would be uh, just about impossible. You have to know these revelations. If you don't know these revelations, then you just become you just become lost, uh, and and it is just extremely important. Now back to Daniel eight. Now in the fifth verse of chapter eight. It says, And I was considering, and behold, a he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between its eyes. Okay. Um, if you were to take this literally and say that this he-goat coming from the west <clears throat> was touching the face of the whole earth. There'd be a big problem, wouldn't there? Because that would make it so gigantic that uh, that no animal could ever possibly fulfill that, even as a symbol. Uh, so, it, it is interesting. <clears throat> now, in the sense that the... Um, the goat represented, let's say, in the 30-fold Alexander. And Alexander conquered so many nations of the world. That is sort of something that gets close to it. Sort of gets close to it, of covering the whole earth. But it doesn't, it doesn't have a full resolution of it. It's just a parcel. It's just sort of a shadow type. But if you, <coughs> if you say that it represents... Uh, this this goat represents um, the devil, represents Satan. Well, the Satan has the capability to actually, with his energies, come forward and cover the whole earth. He could, he could actually do that. And so in that fullest sense, 
in this language that was chosen to be used <coughs> could only happen could only happen in the um, in the revelation of the sixtyfold. It could not completely happen in the revelation of the thirtyfold. Now, of course, you can reinterpret it, change it, try to make it so it makes sense to how people can understand it. But in the end, you still have something there to deal with. And there are things like in Leviticus 16, 8, 10, and 26, where there was uh, a, a, a scapegoat that was chosen uh, in by the Levitical priesthood. And um, uh, the name uh, of that was Azazel. And it, it represented darkness and evil. And they would put all the sins of the people on it and then just turn it loose and send it out into the wilderness. So there is a lots of meaning about goat. It's not just a simple... Uh, uh, Simon type of thing. There's a, a lot of meaning about goat. Uh, in Isaiah 34, 14 and 13, 21, it talks about, um, you know, about satyrs. And uh, these satyrs are about, when you look it up, uh, the meaning of it in Strong's 8163, Strong's 8163, and those verses I'll give them to you again, Isaiah 34, 14, Isaiah 13, 21, and look it up in the Strong's Hebrew Dictionary, 81.63, and it means he-goat, but it also means devil. So we see that one of the meanings of goat is devil, <coughs> or Satan. So now, as we start getting into the 60-fold, we can begin to see the connections to some of these different nations, there are times that Egypt, there are times that that Babylon, there are times that Persia, there are times that different nations have uh, have been symbolic of the workings of Satan. <coughs> Excuse me. And we can't limit it just to those nations I mentioned. You know, it, it might at one point or another cover almost every nation in the world. Uh, I'm, I'm not on that subject or trying to make that case. I'm just saying that these things are important to understand the 30, 60, 100-fold. And as we begin to understand those different folds and to see how that, that when you get into the depth of this and what this symbol of the, of the goat represents, because couldn't the Bible actually have predicted ahead and just said there will be a person uh, by the name of Alexander the Great? Well, of course it could have, and there is, there is an example of two of that. An example, an example or two of that type of thing that did happen in the Bible. So it could have been done that way, but it wasn't done that way because the, the he-goat was a symbol and a representation of not just one thing, but 30, 60, 100-fold, three-fold meanings. And that three-fold meaning was very, very important for us to understand because the real message in the Bible the real mystery in the Bible, the real truth of the Bible, is in those infolds of the full unfolding of the 30, 60, 100-fold Word of God. <coughs> it's exciting to me, and I hope it's exciting to you. Okay, 
So that is um, an example. Now, it's very important then, in the 8th chapter and the 10th verse, when we read uh, about this, this goat, and it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And it cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. And he magnified himself even to the prince of the host. Okay, now, come on. Now you begin to see the deeper truth of this meaning of this he-goat and where the devil is involved. Because now this gets beyond earthbounds. This gets beyond Alexander the Great. This gets on up into the heavens and this involves... The, the prince of the host. And this involves this ego being a person, being a devil, being Satan, who is going to do something. And he's going to <clears throat> become very great. And he's going to uh, be able um, to, to be great among the host of heaven. And he's going to cast down some of the host of the stars, which are the angels. So now in the 12th chapter of Revelation, when we read about the dragon's tail casting down a third of the stars of heaven, which is some of the stars of heaven, then there is the parallel right here in the book of Daniel, Daniel 8:10 and verse 11, of the message that is given in this 60-fold revelation. I think you're catching on. I can feel the energy over this, uh, this service here we're having. And, and it's, it's an incredible and beautiful thing. Now, to just get uh, a little deeper into this, let's skip over on the same subject to... Um, to verse 20, uh, uh, 25. <clears throat> and though his policy, through his policy, also he shall cause craft to prosper in his, in his land. He shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall he destroy many and shall also stand up against the prince of princes. But he shall be broken without hand. Now we're beginning to see the real story. The real story is about these princes, which are principalities, which are archangels of the hosts. And it's talking about this war of the angels. And it's talking about this power that this particular uh, saint and devil called a he-goat has, and what the plan that he has for... the these particular wars and these particular things is to basically cover with his plan a conquering of the whole of the whole earth. It's all part of his plan. And as we begin to see this, it's it's just incredible. Now Daniel is receiving this information. And if we look in the fifteenth verse, and it came to pass when I, even I, Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ulai, 
which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. You don't want to feel, you don't want to feel ignorant or left out or incapable about understanding these visions. Because great men like, like Daniel, who was a mathematician and a scientist, and who had uh, deep uh, relationship and understandings with ministry word of God. <coughs> he couldn't understand this. He couldn't, he couldn't get the sense out of it. He couldn't get the sense out of the vision. What, what are you talking about? What's this got to me? do with me and our people that have been brought here in, as captive in Babylon. What you know, I'd like a revelation. I'd like a revelation that has something to do about me right now, about my times, about the fact that 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 I, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego have been made captive servants. <coughs> that a lot of our people have been brought here and made captive service servants. And I I'd, I'd like to know something about that. Oh, you know, what is all this? I just don't understand it. All this he-goat and ram and, and all that kind of stuff, since I didn't understand it. But as you keep reading it, you see that there is this great angel, archangel, prince, and his name is Gabriel. And the voice said to him, make this man to understand the vision. So there becomes such a revelation that it is just, it's just absolutely beautiful and incredible. This is not something that you could just read and say, oh, you know, the he-goat is this, and the ram is that, and, and yeah, okay, and that's already happened, it's over, it's past, forget about it, let's go on to something else. No, sir. No, sir. Those surface things are shadows and types. There's a, there's a deeper message in them. And the message is so deep that sometimes it can't be understood without one of the archangels like Michael or Uriel or, or Gabriel coming and revealing what those meanings are. And in this case, the manifester who has had this experience with Gabriel is able to share because <clears throat> he didn't automatically know these things either. But it was revealed to him through this angelic uh, experience and this this uh, revealing by Gabriel and that's why this message can be presented something like this may not happen again in a thousand years I hope that's not the case but it's, it's happened before when people have a chance to listen to something like this they should consider themselves destined and that's why we call people like you the destinata So it's exciting. It's very, very, very exciting. And I hope you're really sealing into this because um, it's important. I want to throw one other verse in here that's in a different chapter, but it's close. In chapter 10, <clears throat> just to show how involved with all these kind of things, like in for, in chapter 10, uh, well, I should say first in chapter uh, 9, verse 21. It says, While I was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, and this means that Gabriel the archangel took a human form so that he could communicate 
on a human-to-human level with Daniel. And, uh, and so, and he informed with me and talked with me, and he said, Oh, Daniel, I am come now forth to give thee skill and understanding. So you have to have skill. You have to have understanding to know this word. You can't just read it and, and expect that it's a surface revelation and that once you, you know that, that who, who the Persian kings are, and that is the ram, and, and who the Grecian or Greece uh, king is, and that's, you know, Alexander. And you say, well, that's it. That's the big, deep mystery. <laughs> no, it's already been just put, practically put in there for you. It's deeper than that. That was already in there when Daniel couldn't understand it. That was already said when Daniel could not, could not come to the knowledge of it. But God is still showing that he was going to reveal and make this understood by Daniel. Now in the 10th chapter and the 13th verse, this is very interesting. Um, Daniel had been waiting on God uh, for the the angels that were going to come and and you know give him more more uh, uh, revelation and and more understanding uh, and it, it 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 got prolonged it got deferred finally at some point when uh, Michael came who was another of the archangels. <coughs> He explained in verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Here we see that were it not for the intervention of archangels, that there are forces and principalities that can stop things from happening. They can interfere. And you just can't say, well, it must not be meant. Don't get into that kind of thing. Don't get into the thing, oh, it must not be meant. It didn't open up. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it, so it must not be meant. Don't, that's defeat. That's the black hole. You've got to stand your ground. It might take some time. But eventually there will be a Gabriel. There will be a Michael. There will be a, something happen. A, a ministry. <clears throat> where God will open up and God will reveal. And you can see that, that, that these are both two princes, principalities, or archangels. And the one archangel is warring against the other archangels. But this one particular archangel is not just any old archangel. He's one of the chief princes. And remember, Michael, he is with the status of six wings. Six wings. Now, just to give you scripture for that, and we'll probably use this scripture again, in Isaiah chapter 6, in the year that King Uzziah died, 
I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. <coughs> Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Here we have the status of the six wings in the Bible. Okay? In the Bible. Now, if you were wanting to verify that the cherubims, for instance, have four wings, well then, we would go to e Ezekiel, um, and we would go to uh, chapter, uh, say, 10. Chapter 10, there's, a, there's another scripture too that has it. But let's, you know, we, we can't spend too much time on this. <clears throat> and let's look at Ezekiel 10, chapter 15, or pardon me, chap chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 10, verse 15. And the cherubims were lifted up. This is the living creature that I saw by the river of Chabar. And then going down in the context, talking about these cherubims, verse 21, And every one had four faces apiece, and every one four wings, and the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. And of course there's a whole story, a tremendous beautiful revelation about these four faces, how they represent the four kinds of, of, of uh, humanity. But here we now have scripture. We're just not we're just not blowing out a bunch of ridiculous uh, ideological things uh, that are uh, summaries of imagination. We are presenting Bible fact and Bible word, and and now we can see that that is bad. And of course, the open had open him had two wings. And uh, I won't take the time because that's a simple one, but we won't get into that one right now because if you want to hear some of the really important stuff that I want to get to you tonight, we have just got to keep moving on. Okay. Now, <clears throat> we can see then that this thing about the Star Wars has been going on for some long time. We can remember in Judges 5.20, that there is a scripture there that says uh, these star angels, they fought from heaven. The stars in their courses fought against Sisera. We can see that, not in the sense of astrology, because they have missed the boat on what the real revelation is. The real revelation is that, yes, there are influences of the stars, not as physical stars, but as they physically are symbolic of angels. And those angels have influences. And we remember in Job 38, it talks about the influences of the, the Pleiades, and, and on and on and on. There's just all kinds of, of, uh, of scripture for this. And as we begin to, to hear it and to see it and, and by faith to take it in and, and begin to build with it, uh, I'll tell you what, you'll never be the same. You'll never be able to look at the Bible ever again, and see it in the common form of confusion. You will be seeing it with eyes that are just skimming over the honey milk of the Word of God. Now, um, the, the beauty here that I want to show is that this thing about the angels from heaven uh, being involved 
to help us with things that are seriously uh, becoming impetitions that might hinder us from being able to stay alive or even to go forth and continue with our, our, our ministry. That God will come and, and, and cause from, it, from heaven by photo translations and photo transitions there to be energy and power uh, sent our way that will absolutely block or even in some cases just set aside and if necessary destroy the forces of darkness. And it's Bible. And this thing is all through the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I can't even begin to give you all the scriptures there are. From Genesis all the way through Revelations about this thing we're ministering, about the, about the, the angels at war. This is old stuff from the Bible. It's been going on. It's the Word of God. It's that which was, that which is, and that which is to be. Until it is finished. Praise God. Praise the name of God. Okay, now, let's get into Daniel 12. And what I've told you up to this point was to prepare you for what I'm getting ready to say right now. Because it is, uh, it is very, very important. Just before I open up Daniel 12... I want to talk about these angel wars a little bit. I want to talk about, okay, uh, how do we find these angel wars where they are? And you might want to write this down. Angel War 1, Revelations 12, 7. Or you might want to use more verses. Revelations 12, 1 through tw uh, 12. Yeah, Revelations 12, 1 through 12. But specifically, it mentions the war in verse 7 of, of chapter 12. That's angels at war, number one. That's, the, that's wars, number one. Now, the second war, angels at war, two, is in Revelations 12, 17. And in the last blog that I did, uh, I gave uh, uh, you, uh, you know, information on that. So that you could uh, look it up, and and uh, I particularly took the time to um, to do this blog because there was just so much that I knew that had to be said over this broadcast that you would need something you could look at before the broadcast and get some of the things down and out of the way, so that I didn't have to spend a lot of time on those particular uh, aspects of this. And uh, but. Um, Anyway, uh, this, this revelation that I started to mention uh, is in Revelations 12:17, And that is where world, or that is where angels at war uh, number two come in. And, and you, could, you could write that down. Uh, Revelations 12:17 and Revelations 19, 11-14. <coughs> now, Rev, for, for angels at war 3, then you're going to go to Revelations 20, and it's going to be verses 7 through 11. Now let me just explain this a little bit. Okay, The first war happens in the Drago-Ursia uh, Minor constellations. 
And that happens when Lucifer, a cherub, is, and because the cherubs are guardians, is assigned to guardian the Ophanims while the a large number of the leaders of the Ophanims were into uh, the earth uh, area and they were spiriting creation to bring forth Latolution. And then he began to plot uh, and put in uh, codes that were not codes that, that had come forth by uh, these creators that went out but he changed them, and so this is what caused many things to happen uh, within creation, that some of which is still in creation, uh, to happen. And eventually uh, he tried to replace Jabiel, and that was the first war. And then he was cast out of those heavens. He lost the war, and then he, uh, he and the angels... Uh, and it's very clear in the the twelfth chapter, um, uh, verse seven and twelve, one through twelve, that they were cast down, including uh, including Lucifer. They were cast down to the earth. Now the second war begins after Lucifer is down on the earth. He still has universal uh, ideas. He still has heaven ideas. Uh, but he's down on earth and he has to incorporate uh, this environment of the earth and the people on the earth into this whole scheme. And so then there is a war that happens there. Now in the first war, the cherubim and Yaviel, Jesus Christ Yaviel, did not partake in that war. Did not partake in that war. But in the second war, the cherubims and Jesus Christ did get involved in that war. And there is such a perfect scripture. Uh, try not to lose your place. And perhaps I can just turn back myself and get the scripture and read it to you. But it's, it's, it's in John 18.36. <clears throat> And, and Pilate is questioning uh, 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 Jesus. And, uh, and Jesus answered and said, uh, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now is my kingdom not from hence. So Jesus said, I'm not fighting because this, he, he knew this that, that the earth was the Tartaru. It's where people had been cast out to go through sort of a hell, you know. And, and, uh, and he says, this is not my kingdom. And there it is. It's right there. King James. But he says, if it were my kingdoms, then I could call on 12 legions of angels. And he tells all the different things that he could do. But he says, it's not. He said, my servants would fight. Now, in Revelations 19.11, we have this depiction of Jesus riding on the white horse, and there's this army of the white horses, and they are going forth to war, conquering to conquer. 
So now we see that in this second uh, war, angels at war number two, that yes, the cherubim are involved, and yes, the the um, uh, the Yaviel and Yaviel is involved, and I gave you the scripture, uh, John eighteen thirty six, uh, uh, and um, uh, and I gave you Revelations nineteen eleven through fourteen, and there's there's other th- other uh, scriptures that go along with that, um, <clears throat> that the the seraphim are involved in this war is many scriptures. Second Samuel twenty two eight through twelve, Psalms eighteen seven through eleven, Ezekiel ten fifteen. These are Yaviel writing in a cherub are writing in a zith that is that is a a cherub uh, uh, vehicle. And it tells a story. And so th- this is, is a prediction, ladies and gentlemen. It's a prediction and a prophecy. And, and, and it is, it is a story, historically, uh, telling uh, in, in those scriptures. And I don't have time to go into the interpretation of every scripture there. But there's a beautiful interpretation in the Psalms 18, 7, 11, which is the same uh, quote as Second Samuel 22, 8, 11. Um, but it's, it, it, it shows that there's a, there's a time of war. Uh, uh, maybe we should turn to at least one of them. Let's just turn to Psalms 18.7. I <laughs> got all these different things uh, going here at the same time. Hopefully I can come back to them. Uh, let's just go to Psalms 18. And let's, let's, uh, let's read that. Because uh, that's all important. Bless the name of God. Okay. Uh, Psalms 18, uh, uh, 7 uh, through 11, uh, you know, th- this, is, this is what it says. And there went up smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth, devoured the coals, uh, were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub and did fly. Yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind, he made darkness his, pavil- his secret place. His pavilion around about him were dark waters, thick clouds of the sky. This is a beautiful, beautiful prophecy by the Holy Spirit about Jesus being involved in this, in this war and, and being involved with the cherubim in it, the cherubim assisting him. Because remember, Jesus is over the, Jesus is over the ophanims. <clears throat> And, um, uh, you know, some will say, well, I just don't get this thing, you know, connecting Jesus or Yaviel. Well, you just need, you know, to have known some of the other scriptures we've given, like where uh, I think it's in Thessalonians, that uh, when Jesus descends, he descends with the voice of an archangel. And it makes it very clear that he, being the very one, he is the very one that does that. Uh, it's right there. It's in the scripture. So, all of these things we are telling you are just absolutely, uh, you know, they're scripture. But I can't give you all of the scriptures in any one of these teachings because we wouldn't be able to get through it uh, in, in five, six, seven, eight hours. So I just can do the best that I can. And you have to keep going back, looking over the blogs and picking out 
you know, the pieces of information that I've given in the past. But uh, he wrote upon a cherub. That's all part of the prophecy. And then the other part is uh, is in the um, the Ezekiel and the wheels. Of course, is one that is the, the that is the translated name of Ophan or Ophanim. So uh, when you see that those wheels uh, and there's there's more than one kind of wheel. There's a, a physical wheel, and then there is the Ophan wheel, which is which is uh, the Ophanim that it is speaking to. And you can actually see where they are personified, but they they are then literally uh, in the in the tenth chapter of, of Ezekiel, they are shown to actually uh, be uh, entities, and so uh, uh, they are involved, uh, you know, uh, with with uh, the Ophanim, and and of course. With, with the Lord. Okay, so now let's see if we can get back to some of this stuff. Uh, we, we, we've given you an idea of what those, those two are about. Now the third war, the third war, uh, which is uh, Revelations 27, this happens after the second war ends, and once again, Lucifer and his host are defeated. They are defeated. And then he is cast into. <coughs> uh, he he is he is he is uh, you know has thousand years. The thousand doesn't mean a thousand, but I don't have the time to tell you what that does mean right now. But there's thousand years that he is bound, and there's a thousand thousand years supposedly of of peace, but it it means something quite different than that, and something quite beautiful. <coughs> so, uh, and that that's. That's how the second war wins, uh, ends, prob, prob, uh, most doubt, without doubt. Uh, and when this second war ends, then that is what happens to him. But after a thousand years, this, which the meaning of this is, he is released. And then he immediately goes out to the four corners of the earth and begins to engaging and challenging and, and enterprising. <coughs> These people called the Gogs and the Magogs. And he creates this huge, gigantic earth army that he brings against uh, the temple and the holy city. And that becomes the third war, which we'll be telling you about that on blogs and ministering to you about all the details because there are many, many scriptures and many beautiful stories to tell about these these other two wars. Uh, we're, we're just getting warmed up here. It's just uh, absolutely exciting. But that is all Bible. And can you imagine that all these things that I'm telling you and I'm just, just getting into it, just starting with it, and it's, it's, it's voluminous, and yet <clears throat> these are things that have been lost. Just like a lost paradise, like Eden. Because people have not understood how to delve and why to delve into the 30, 60, 100-fold revelation, and they're missing part of the Bible. A big part of the Bible they're not even getting is beautiful, sensational word. I mean, there is no other book like the Bible. And granted, it has it has some, some uh, things in it that are failures of translation and 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 you know we're going those are going to all be put into perspective but it's a beautiful bible it's a beautiful word and i love it <clears throat> okay back to um daniel 12 <clears throat> okay now um 
this um, one particular um, evil person that's going to come forth in the 37th verse of the 11th chapter of Daniel says, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. But in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his father knew, not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. <coughs> now, he's going to do in some of the greatest strongholds on the face of the world. He's going to rule over vast areas of the land. But the important part isn't the physical warfare that it is describing in its singularity of people application in wars that happen from between people to people. But it's the deeper part that has to do with the forces of the darkness of the principalities and the princes of the archangels. And that's why the Bible says that we war not with flesh and blood, but we war with the the powers and the principalities of darkness. And we've got to understand that. But the reason people haven't been able to do too much about that is because they haven't been able to understand the story of it except for understanding that the devil is a bad guy and he has several bad names. But those names aren't accidents. When Satan is called, when, when Lucifer is called the dragon, it's because of his association with Drago, the star constellation. When Lucifer is called Satan, that, if you just look it up, is because he's, he, he is involved uh, with all the meanings of that name. Uh, the meanings of that name are like uh, an opponent, an enemy, an adversary. And all of those words are what is the meaning of Satan. So when he's called Satan, he's being called an adversary, an opponent, he's being called an enemy. And he, and also I think the, the word is um, a starter of war. And so, <clears throat> now we see why he's got, he's got that name. Now, the devil comes from the goat. And that's why in some of the the witchcraft stuff and and all of that type of orders that they use the goat, and because that the goat represents the devil, so you know then there's the serpent, and there's a meaning for all of that, and a connection to all of those names. There was the serpent in the Garden of Eden, uh, and and that has that there's a tremendous revelation on the serpent and and the offspring of God, uh, but you know. We're not going to get into that right now because that that gets into another subject. Uh, it's, it's you know has relativity, but it's just not for us to get into right now. Okay, now back to Revelation 12. Okay, now um, let's let's look at, um, at at some some interesting interesting things. Um, let's look at um, 
chapter 12. At that time, and we're in Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, verse 1, and, Sinandaki, at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, chief prince, which standeth for the children of the people, and there shall be a time of trouble, let's call it a time of war, such as never was since there was a nation. Now the relationship that's being unfolded here is taking it back to the beginning of human civilization of nations. So it's way, way back to the beginning of time. And we're talking about war, troubled war, troubles. So we, we call that number one, a time, beginning of human nations. Okay. And it says, uh, such as never was since there was a nation, to that same time, And of that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. So now we have number two, uh, times. So we have time, and we have times, uh, and it's say, basically saying until a repeat of that war reoccurs. So we have the war that goes back to the very beginning of time, and according to the manifest teachings, uh, this fallout, uh, hap of of Lucifer and the and the Ophidims and the, and um, uh, uh, and of um, Michael happened in uh, the fifth day or during the fifth day of cre of creation, which is not a day but an age, and and uh, so this fits into that just absolutely perfect. So now we have a time and we have times because this second war that happens is just another repeat of that first war. But then the third one that happens is on earth is on earth and and finishes the Lucifer Satan episode. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. This is a very incredible verse. I wish that I had the time to translate for you and interpret. Uh, but this is where this half time comes in. Now, as we begin to see this, what is the subject about? What is this subject about? Well, it's right here in verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they shall turn many to righteousness as the stars as the angels forever and ever. It's all back about the fallen angels and the redemption of the fallen angels. It's all about the degrees of righteousness through the brightness of the shinings. And that's what it's about. Is it for, for Daniel to really make uh, totally understood to us? Well, let's listen to verse 4. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Wow. Wow. Okay. Now, let's look at verse 7. 
And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven. Now, this whole episode, this whole thing that this scripture is about, isn't just to do with earthly events. It is connected to heavenly events. It's connected to stars, which are angels, becoming wise so that they can be turned to a righteousness again, and 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 as stars shine forever and ever. And verse seven, and I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Ladies and gentlemen, there's been all kinds of interpretations about the time, time and a half times. There are those that thinks it has to do with the 70 weeks, which are 70 years. There are all kinds of other ideas that people have had about it. And some of them are interpreting it in the 30-fold. And some of them are right on in, in the 30-fold. And those 30-fold interpretations are on good ground. And there's probably some people that are not ready to go any deeper and any higher than the 30-fold. But I'm going to tell you there are millions of people out there hungry and starved to go into the 60 and 100-fold. They are hungry for something beyond third grade. So these this time, times, and a half time is talking about the angel wars. War one, war two, war three. It's all about that. And these are the times. And these are the things that have to be accomplished. These three wars have to be accomplished. And they are they are symbolized in the three days that Jesus went into into the spirit of death. And it's interesting that the third day was not a full day because on that third day he was already up and around and he was out and ministering to people. So you have the, the two times, the times, and then the times. So the time, which was the first war, and then the times because it's a repeat of the first war uh, and a little different menu, but it's a repeat of the same type of war fighting with with uh, with Lucifer, Satan, the dragon, and that's where you get the times because it's it's it's, it's a double, it's a repeat, and then the half times because you're mostly on that war concentrating only on earth, and there's always will be a connection to heaven, but not the same as the wars in the in like universal wars 
And so we have the times, times, and a half times, and they coordinate with the three days of Jesus. The third day I will rise. And that is the victory of all the wars. And at the end of that war, uh, Satan now is not cast into the pit, but he's cast into the fiery lake of fire. And the manifest tells the whole story about all of that. We can't just tell you every single solitary thing. But we're telling you a lot. <clears throat> we know that in Psalms 147.4 it talks about the number of the stars. And <clears throat> we know that those numbers are codes. And they tell you that if you want to have a good code for your computer, you should have numbers in it. So numbers are commonly used for codes and have been for many, many years of the history of the earth. And the Bible's right on in all these revelations. Right on. And in Lucifer, uh, pardon me, in Isaiah 14, Let's just take a minute and look at that. Isaiah 14. This is very interesting. Here is a case in which, <clears throat> in the 14th chapter, um, and 4th um, verse, 4th verse, 14th chapter, Isaiah Thou shalt take up a Proverbs against the king of Babylon. Here, the king of Babylon is personifying Lucifer. Just like in the example of Alexander and Lucifer. And here he says, How hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? The Lord has broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. Now this staff of the, wick, of the wicked and scepter of the rulers is a much bigger revelation than can be imagined. And he who smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. This was used in uh, the last blog. And so there's where you find the scripture for it for you that wondered. When it talked about uh, Michael using uh, you know, this continual stroke. It is a method <coughs> that angels have learned to use. Uh, he that ruled the nations in anchor is persecuted and unhindereth. Let's go down to verse 9. Hell from beneath is moved, uh, is moved for thee. To meet thee at thy coming, it stirreth up the dead, even the chief ones of the earth. It is raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. They shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of the vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? And this is the revelation of the last war, when he's finally cut down and his war is limited to mostly on earth. And he brings out these multitudes of, of the you know, of the Gogs and the Magogs. Now, next week, Lord willing, I want to get in 
to the Gogs and the Magogs. But before that, I want to get into the revelation of of the thing with the Mantis people and how all of this connect to all these these wars that will be going on and how it it will it will affect it. And it says in here in verse thirteen about Lucifer, for thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend into heaven and exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to be above the other groups of angels. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Lucifer wasn't wanting to become a devil. He was wanting to become more like God. But he was trying to do it in his own way without following the angelic law codes that had been set down. Verse 17, that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities. And we can begin to see, if we look at this, how that this all ties in to the tremendous revelation. Now, in this same chapter, in this same verse, something very interesting. Verse 28, we're still in this same chapter of 14, which mentions Lucifer and all the things I've read. In the year that King Ahaz died was this burden. Oh, what burden? And what's that got to do with King Ahaz? Well, we're going to come back to this verse, but let's skip over and let's see Isaiah 6. Let's just see what it says, King Ahaz. In the year that King Uzziah and that's, that's who it's talking about. Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his crane filled the temple. And above it stood the seraphims, each one six wings, crying, Holy, Holy, Holy. Now, come on, people. Begin to get this infill. Begin to get this incredible spiritual uh, uh, glory that is enwrapped throughout this word and how it connects. Because here we see, as we are, we are reading uh, from this scripture, uh, how that there is a connection. How that there is, there is absolutely a connection. And it says, um, you know, uh, uh, you know we, 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 I, I know that some would say, yeah, but you're talking about Ahaz versus Uzziah. Well, I'm just showing that the death of kings can be symbolic. It can be symbolic of things happening. And, and it says, in this case, Rejoice not, thou whole uh, Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrite, and his fruit shall be the fiery flying serpent. And there is a tremendous revelation, which is in the Manifest Bible, an interpretation of verses like this. Many of these verses are all translated, um, interpreted in the Manifest Peace Bible or the Peace Manifest Bible. And it will be something that everybody will want to have. Uh, it, it is so important to get that word out and to get this, this finished. I just thank God, you know, for, 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 for the revelation. And I don't have the opportunity of time to make the connection between Ahaz and, and Uriah, uh, uh, you know, 
right now, uh, you know, uh, Uzziah right now. But in the future, you know, I'll have that opportunity. Uh, I'll have an opportunity to do that. Okay. Now, back uh, to to um, uh, Daniel 12. So now we've got um, these three revelations here. Uh, we've got them connected to the three days of Christ and the third day Christ arises. Um, we've got um, in the 12th chapter of Daniel and we don't make anything too big about that but we've got Michael the archangel rising in the 12th chapter of Revelations we've got a connection to this 12 to 12 is very very interesting it's, uh, it's it almost just like a a neat little thing that God did, you know. Now, um, was this something that Daniel was supposed to totally understand and 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 uh, and, and and totally be able to, uh, you know, to relate to people? No. Chapter twelve in Daniel, uh, verse uh, eight. It says, "I heard." But I understood not. Daniel did not understand what this revelation was. And there are other people in the Bible who have written their the, the visions and they've written things that were revealed by angels, but they did not understand. Even sometimes when they were told by the angels, they did not understand what it meant. So the angel says to him, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and tried. The wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. And then in verse 13, But go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt, thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of days. And there's a beautiful story about that. It's just all so interesting. Just absolutely Absolutely interesting. Praise be the name of God. And so, there are scriptures um, that talk about the stars, that the stars are going to become dark, and there's going to be no light coming out of them. That is similar to the scriptures that say the stars of heaven are going to fall on the earth. That is just the most sensationally incorrect idea. If anybody would get that, uh, you don't even get into grade two with that idea. Because the earth is a speck compared to some of these stars. You don't land these huge star on a speck. And you have to understand, by the same token, these huge stars that are burning infernos are not going to just all of a sudden become dark. But what it's representing is that these people who have once been, that were Ophidims, and, and, and that have followed Lucifer's ideas, and that were, that were bright and shining, uh, uh, you know, as it, as it told the story there uh, in, in Daniel, you know, uh, they are, the, are, are going to, they're going to go out, their light's going to go out. 
that that light of of memory, that that light of the power uh, to be able to do the things they once could do, is going to go out. And that's a story uh, that is mentioned several times throughout the Bible. And when we begin to see it that way, all of a sudden, it just makes so much sense. It just has reality. It just has meaning. But when we don't see it that way, we lose the whole beautiful example of its meaning. We lose it. And and so that is so important, uh, you know, and I so want uh, you to be able to to understand that importance because when you don't see it that way, uh, it, it, it just becomes an extremely sad, sad, sad thing, you know. But <clears throat> when we look at chapter 7 of Daniel, verse 9, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. Now, the Ancient of Days is not going to sit until some of the thrones that have been set up by Lucifer, Satan, the dragon, the serpent, the devil, have been cast down. And after they have been cast down, as the scripture says, and I've read it to you, it's going to happen, then the Ancient of Days is going to set up his throne. His throne, which is like a fiery flame, is full of syntonic fire, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued, this is all the syntonic revelation, and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands, thousands ministered. And this is a direct referral, and even it is a reference in my Bible, and I'm sure in yours, to Psalms 68, 17. And this is the revelation of the of the, the word Shinon. And this is the, the, the only time that a word was translated, uh, uh, and that is the initiation of the word, Shinon. A word such as that was, was used to mean angels. And this is at Mount, at, at Mount, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Sion. And, and um, this is so important, um, the Mount Sinai, that this event happened, and it talks about that there was 20,000, 20,000 uh, of these angels that were there. And and uh, these angels, of course, were the angels that is talking about when it says that Enoch is going to come uh, with with these angels. He's, he's going to return with these angels. They're the same ones, and those are the thousands of thousands. But in the next uh, part of the scripture... It says, and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him, and the judgment was set, and the books were open. And we have shown in our book, uh, The Seven Thunders Manifest Before Genesis, that that, that number is a mathematical uh, uh, consequence of meaning a trillion. So the same number is given here as it's given in Revelations. And it interprets the same way to being a, a trillion. So what this verse is talking about in is two situations. It's talking about the trillion, which are the ophanims, and then it's talking about in a, a, a connected, but in a 
uh, way of uh, differentiating their part because they belong to another fold. Jesus said, I have sheep of another fold. And they are mentioned here then uh, in, in um, Daniel 7, uh, 10, and also in Psalms 68, 17. So when I talk about the, the revelation and having uh, 20,000 people assign uh, this petition that I put in, in the blog section, the pomegranate 20,000, ladies and gentlemen, it's no fluke. It's an incredible revelation, none of which I have taught, none of which I'm going to teach until I get 20,000 signatures in there. There's about 161 people that have signed, that's all. But am I concerned that, that by the year 2012, December, that I'll not have those uh, 20,000? No, I am not. Because I think between now and then, there is going to be things happen that we are going to get this word out and there's going to be hundreds and thousands and hundreds and thousands of people that are going to hear about this word and be interested in this word and are going to want to sign that petition. And it's all about this whole story which is just woven in and out of the Bible from page to page. Uh, it's, just, it's just absolutely, absolutely wonderful. And and we, we could you know we could just go on and on and on with it, but we only have so much time to do that, and and we we just want to to get into this and uh, be excited about it because it is a real wonderful revelation. And you have to understand that even when I'm doing this teaching of the times, time and a half times, I'm trying to to abbreviate this. I don't have the time to, to do a series of lectures on it in, in these teachings uh, that I'm into now, uh, such as this Seventh Seal Part 5 of, um, uh, of the teaching I'm doing. Uh, I can only you know, mention so much, but I have given you lots and lots of scriptures here to look at and think about and put together with many of the blogs that I've done, and that should be very helpful to you and should should open up your mind, open up your your ideas. Uh, it it should it should, it should just uh, fill you with knowledge such as you've never ever had before. Blessed be the name of God. Blessed be the name of God. So, <clears throat> sort of begin to boil this down here. Uh, bring this to a uh, a uh, temporary conclusion. Um, that um, that God is speaking to us just like he did in the revelation to Job. And in Job 38, if you'd like to move there, it's an old scripture that is very famous to uh, the destinata who have been involved on uh, this journey of revelation. Uh, it, it's been one of the uh, keystone scriptures but in chapter 38 of Job, uh, it says, The Lord answered Job, this is God, out of the whirlwind. And who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. This isn't something that he's given a choice to everybody. He is coming in a whirlwind of revelation. And he's saying, you need to gird up the loins of your mind. 
you need to come into full maturity. And he says, if you want that to happen, then I demand you to be able to give an answer of me of what I'm about to lay out. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Verse 4. Declare that if you have any understanding. These are things God is saying. I want you to be able to tell this, to answer this. Wow. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou knowest? And that is so important when you get into the measurements of, of, uh, of the 144,000 and the city and how that the measurements are equal to the 144,000, which are also the, the multiplication of the 12 tribes of, of uh, Israel. Wow. And, the, and, and it's, it, the, the measure is the measure of a man, that is, of the angel, and all those things. That's, that's what it's talking about when it says that. That's what it's talking about. Verse 7. And, you know, where were you? When the morning stars, here we go again, sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Wow. Wow. Verse 21 says, Knowest thou it, because thou wast then born, or because the number of thy days is great? In other versions, several other versions, it actually says, You know this answer, because you were born then. And then, in the same chapter, chapter 38 of Job, verse 36, <clears throat> says, Who has put wisdom in the inward parts? Or who has given understanding to the heart? And then, let's go back up here to verse 31. Can you bind the sweet influences of the Pleiades? Or loose the bands of Orion? Can you bring forth a Mazareth in his season? Or can you guide Arturus with his sons? Do you know the ordinances of the heaven? Can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? And that is the challenge that is given to all the destinati. The challenge to the destinati is to set the dominion of this revelation of the first domain, this revelation of the kingdom of God, this revelation of, of the wars with the principalities of darkness, the forces of Lucifer, Satan, dragon, the serpent, devil, and to show people this truth so that they can know where they came from and who they are and why that going back in time that when Adam, who was the, was the first person that was sold. He, 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 he was the first person with a, a, a soul. We're not talking about small case, S-O-U, which just means body. We're talking about spirit soul. Capital S-O-U-L. And that's what connected him to eternal life. And every one of us, when we are born into this world, the Bible says in John, we are born into the light. Every person, every human being. Every human being has the kingdom of God within him. Why? Because of who we are, where we came from, and where we are slated to go to. And we are involved in the bringing into understanding 
And in verse 35, can you send lightnings? Yes, we can. We can send lightnings. And we can send thunders. Because that's what we're into. The seven thunders of Revelation. Of the seven spirits of God. Of the seven universes. And of this present universe. And it is an exciting time of Revelation. And I know that there are people that have searched among the Babylonian and Arcadian and Sumerian past empires and have found cuneiforms that seem to tell about visitors coming from an X planet and there being, uh, you know, a whole visitation of, of, of people that are not that good of people. But what a lot of those individuals don't understand is that just as it is in the Greek world and many of the other native type of, of uh, cultured uh, groups, these kind of stories that are being found and have been found are myths. But as we have taught in the manifest that myths do carry an interpretation. But if you interpret them literal, you're going to end up just like some of these other people that are that are trying to interpret everything only in the 30-fold. You are just not going to have what the real meaning that lies behind the symbology of the myth stories are about. And so we're trying to lead people out of those dark uh, syndromes and lead them into a time of light and a time of excitement. Because it is truly an exciting time to live. It is truly a beautiful, exciting time to live. In the Peace Manifest Bible, Isaiah 41.16, it says, I will give you words to speak that when spoken shall be as great as a great wind cleansing the land. When you shall so speak, even powerful demons and in parentheses, they're called mountains, will flee and scatter. In that day, you will rejoice and glory in the one called Yahweh. It is an exciting time. It is a supercharged time. And I just praise God for this revelation. And we're going to have another uh, teaching next week, um, the seventh seal, and it will continue. the The uh, number six will continue about the uh, the angels at war, and many other interesting things that will come up with that. And you won't want to miss it. You'll want to get in on it. I know we're getting quite a few people that are coming back and listening to the recordings, but you know. Uh, I think it's sort of nice for all those that could and can do it to stand by and try to be there when we do our our broadcast so that when we look on our little counter that there's people there listening and standing by us. I mean, I can easily see when I go back to the tapes that, you know, there's, there's people that are getting on that and that are playing it. And that's great. And and I noticed that in our star 
Rise um, community uh, where we do the posts, which are different from the blogs. That uh, that now that uh, the last uh, post that was put in uh, is somewhere uh, over 250, uh, you know, viewers. So people are are listening, people are reading, but I I would to God that we had more people on the blogs that were doing, um, you know, making statements. Uh, just even even if you didn't do anything but say eyewitness. And, and you know you had your name down there. You you didn't have to be your personal name, but but you know your internet name, and you just said eyewitness because you don't have maybe time to do anything else or know what to say, but it would show that you're you're somebody that's listening and standing by, because uh, we we it really does a lot for us to know there are people, and <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to um, to pray with us. Uh, I don't, I hate, I hate to get into anything that has to do about money, but, you know, we're on um, a situation right now where a few months ago, uh, we brought to the people an opportunity for people to be involved in helping finance uh, the, um, uh, you know, uh, two books. One was the Bible and the other was, um, you know, uh, uh, Star Rise. And um, uh, we had asked if there would be um, people that could come up with $10,000. Uh, I know some of you people just could not afford to come up with $10,000. And and this is from the depths of my heart. Anyone that it would be difficult and be a financial uh, um, complication in any way and put any kind of a burden on you, I would not want you to come up with that money. I would not want that money from you. And God knows my heart that would be true. But there are people that uh, that maybe not of the few that we have listening right now, but maybe some that will come on the program and listen, that can understand that with the little bit of money that we've ha- had come in, we do not have enough money to be able to get this manifest and, and to get the um, um, this other beautiful book you know, that I mentioned to you published. There's not enough. So I was talking to my wife today and I said, you know, I, I, I've had this idea come to me. Uh, and I said, and I, this sounds so commercial, but anyway, here I go. And I hope you don't get angry at me for having to mention this. But um, I came up with this idea that if there would be any persons out there, uh, I need at least two persons that could, you know, come up with about... $10,000 so that we can really get ready to, to get this thing published. And there's some equipment that we need uh, to do the final phase of it. And you can't do any of that kind of stuff cheap. And so, you know, we're, we're asking just the lowest case scenario. But I would be willing if there would be anyone out there that you know or that you just pray, just pray, uh, not asking you, if, if, you know, to do something that you can't do, just for people that could do it. But I would be willing, my wife and I, if that person would be willing to pay for our airplane flight there and back, put us up, I'd be willing to come and spend a day with that person, just answering questions and updating those that person or that family on manifest revelation. And, and uh, I have never, ever offered that or ever done that before. 
uh, in the history of my life. This is just something totally different. But I so want to get this out. Now, Tuesday, I'll be 72 years old. I'll be 72 years old. I want to get this out. I want to get this to the people. Uh, you know, uh, while I've got strength, while I've got health, uh, while I can see good, I can hear, uh, I can think. Uh, I, I want to finish this tremendous uh, uh, revelation. And it's, it's massive. But if I can get the Peace Bible out, for one, you know, that's going to be a book of over a thousand pages. And it's sensational. And, and uh, th- that has got to get out. And, and then Star Rise is another sensational book. So would you pray about that? Would you pray? Because I need at least two people. And that's the minimum. But I need at least that so that we can get these books out. And, and if you pray, I'm a believer. God can make something happen. And it can come from someone that it won't be a strain on. Uh, and it won't put them in difficult financial, uh, uh, you know, uh, condition. Because I don't want that. I, I, I do not want that. I want it to be something that can uh, come without that kind of a difficulty. So keep that in mind and uh, just uh, stand, uh, stand by us on that. Okay, we're going to take the time right now to do the Gentile before we close our teaching. Um, I want... Uh, I want today uh, to work on people uh, who are uh, having problems sleeping and people who are having nerve problems, nerve anxieties. And I want to work on you for Gentile and I want to uh, uh, help you because I know there is very, very few things that can so rack a person's uh, state of peace and calm as uh, a jangled nerve and the the anxieties and all those things. So this is what today's Gentile will be about. So here we go. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary to hypothalamus to thyroid, to the lymphatic gland, to the parasympathetic, to sympathetic neurotransmission system, to the cerebellum, to the white core brain tissue, to the spinal column. Begin to send messages across the synaphysis, send messages down through the corpus callosum to the hemispheres, send messages through the medulla, across the palms, send messages uh, to every part of the thinking mechanism of the brain, connecting with the solar plexus of the nerve center, and begin to deal in those areas that are causations uh, for for, um, putting into the body and nervousness and anxiety. Uh, we want to deal specifically with the left hemisphere, uh, with the stress center that is in the left hemisphere. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to thyroid, begin to send messages into the left hemisphere to create anti-stress hormones. So that every time a stress hormone is an anti, uh, to, so that every time a stress hormone is released, an anti-stress hormone will cancel it. 
So, hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary hypothalamus to the thyroid, to the left hemisphere of the, of, of the brain, begin to create anti-stress hormones for the purpose of canceling any stress hormones that might rise. If there's any inhibitors, if there's any blockers, if there's any messages anti to that, they are canceled. Hypothalamus to the pituitary, pituitary, hypothalamus to the thyroid, begin to send messages and begin to uh, message uh, the secretions of serotonin, uh, that uh, are concentrated in the neurons uh, and and to bring them up from the brain stem uh, and, and to begin to deal with these uh, in the sensory uh, perception aspect so that it, it, uh, it begins to deal with any sleep induced kind of problems. Uh, it begins to deal with regulation and cr- control of mood so that uh, uh, any kind of um, of problems that are uh, uh, happening uh, with the mood connection to anxiety is eradicated. Uh, begin to uh, deal with these uh, uh, small blood vessels uh, uh, through which this, these concentrations come so that uh, whenever it is necessary, there is a release in them so that the flow is adequate uh, to fulfill uh, the full concentration of these uh, uh, secretions for the healing and the deliverance of these people who are having such problems. Uh, again, if there be any inhibitors or blockers or messages anti to this, they are now canceled. Okay, so that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of our teaching today. Once again, God bless you so much. We're so happy to have you with us. So happy. Get on the blogs. Get into this whole call, and we're going to see some wonderful things. God bless you. Be sure to follow you broadcast on Twitter.